The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value, and so can you. Welcome to the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm brilliant to be back with you again for just another week, um, not just another week, but another week on the Business Elevation Show. And I just want to say a big thank you firstly to my guest last week, Tony Burgess. Um, Tony was talking to us about, um, you know, about developing our mindsets. And a key message I took from Tony was that we all need to be mindful that we're really living um, according to our own interpretations of the world, which may or may not be correct. And uh, sometimes you just need to think, is, um, is the way that we're thinking, is it really reality? Is it just um, you know, a, a sort of message, so a way of pro- that we've been programmed to think in a certain way? And I think that was a really important message in light of a very difficult couple of weeks uh, around the world uh, with um, all of the issues that have been occurring in Paris, in, in Beirut, in Egypt, and uh, it's made me think that you know, even more uh, than we've ever needed right now, we need really engaging leaders. And uh, our thoughts and our love go to those people who've been very adversely affected by those incidents. Um, but it seems up today that we're going to talk about engagement. I'm going to talk about employee engagement uh, with uh, my guest today, uh, John Jennings. Now, the reason for this show as well was that after some very positive feedback that I so gratefully received around a, a show that I did a couple of weeks ago or so um, on Engagement Starts With You, um, I decided to invite a highly respected colleague and a friend, John Jennings. Now, John and I deliver employee engagement sort of strategy, masterclasses, and various things together. So it seemed a good idea that as this is an area that we're particularly knowledgeable about to discuss employee engagement today, we're going to share the facts and some of the things that you need to address to increase the performance of your business through more engaged employees. Now, John is an expert in employee engagement, culture change, bespoke customer service skills, and the resolution of major operational issues. Uh, he's derived from over 34 years of operational and executive board level experience, and I can't believe that looking at him because he looks so young, uh, in both the public and private sectors for organizations, including Prudential, Egg, Experian, and Totemic, as well as um, a very internationally acclaimed theatre in my hometown of Leicester called the Curve Theatre. He's led global teams, and he studied employee engagement and retention techniques across different colors, cu- colors, cultures. He regularly lectures and presents on the key competitive advantages that business leaders can gain by placing an employee-centric approach at the heart of business strategy. 
He's a former branch chairman of the Institute of Directors. As I mentioned, he currently works alongside myself delivering um, what I th we think are, are pretty amazing employee engagement strategy and change programs uh, based upon the, the feedback that we receive. So a big welcome to John Jennings. Thank you very much, Chris. Great to be here. Yeah, a pleasure to see you today and uh, lovely to do something like this together because we've not done it before. Indeed. Um, so, John, maybe you could start with, with just start this off with telling us what got you interested in employee engagement. Well, yeah, it's a good question, Chris. I think um, you've alluded to it in your intro that I've had the good fortune to work for uh, quite a variety of companies over the years. Uh, and it's always interested me what makes some companies work and succeed and, and, and why others don't. Um, and a common theme that I've sort of picked up over those years is it's really all about the people. Um, um, one of the, one of the uh, times I, I had the good fortune to work on the west coast of the United States in Southern California um, and uh, talking to some of the senior guys there um, and asking them what their biggest challenges were, a common theme was um, finding and keeping good people, um, and that, that set me thinking as to as to well, finding them maybe that's an art all in itself how you how you select and hire people into a business. But what what actually makes people uh, people stay with a, with an organisation? Um, and then in, in one of those sort of strange situations that you sometimes find yourself, I was uh, on a, a charity cycle ride across uh, across uh, part of Europe from Paris to Monte Carlo. Um, and uh, with, with, with a bunch of guys who I had to train up to, uh, to be able to do a long-distance long ride. And that was all in aid of a, a, a cancer charity over here in, in the UK called Macmillan. Um, and, and as you do, you have a bit of downtime in the evening when you're recovering from the exertions of the day. And I was asking some of the guys, so what, what keeps you at, uh, at the organisation? What is it that you really like about working for the, for the company? Um, and the, the answers all were all around. Like, it was nothing to do with how much they were paid or or the fact they've got a company car, or any of this sort of stuff. It was, it, people would say things, well, actually, I, I stay around because I've got a great boss who really admires what I do and makes me feel part of the team, listens to what I have to say, and, uh, and, and really engages with me. And, and others would say, well, I like the company because it's, it's got a sense of, of value in the community, it knows where it's going, it, it does great things uh, locally. And so th that set me thinking, well, it's more than just the, the money equation that, that, that really makes people tick. And, of course, the more I ask, the more intriguing the subject becomes, really. Um, and it takes you off into what makes people tick. So, so you, you start to understand and, and, and delve into human psychology and behaviors and habits and, and all that kind of thing. And, uh, and, and then the thing that really interested me was how much of a correlation, a clear correlation there was between um, companies with engaged employees and companies that performed really well in terms of, of achieving objectives and hitting the, the, you know, the, the financial objectives that they'd set for themselves. So I thought that was when you first told me, it was you know, a good, uh, good few months ago, you were telling me about that cycle ride. I know you, yeah. as a, a team, you raised uh, lots and lots of money for charity. Um, but one of the things that I think that you often find in really highly engaging environments is that teams and people actually want to spend their social time together. Yeah. Uh, I remember that. I was part of one of the best teams I've been part of as an employee was a sales team at Mars. And we, we, was, we would all, we'd all uh, be meeting up partners at weekends. We'd be staying at each other's houses. Um, and uh, it was the most engaged and one, of the, and one of the most highest performing teams I ever worked for. Sure, sure. Yeah, and that, that, um, that, that's certainly borne out in, the, uh, in, in some of the research I've done that um, 
it's, it's when you engage an individual and it becomes more than just a job, uh, then you start to elevate people's performance and, and that works for them and it works for the organisation too. I think I remember about 10 of us going out from a London office and to run the New York Marathon and one of us very sadly was going out. I was in the office with her and she, she said to me, um, Chris, uh, my legs feel tingly and I don't feel that well. I suggested that she went home and sadly she had, she had to have some checks and things and she found out she got multiple sclerosis uh, so uh, a number of us all ran for multiple sclerosis. She couldn't run, but she came out still. And it, and what it did, it it was, uh, it just meant so much, you know, absolutely okay. meant so much. It was just a brilliant bonding session with with everybody, and it gave us, you know, something to do together. Um, I think sometimes uh, we'll come, you know, we should chat about about definition, but you know, it kind of linked us at a together at a head level and a heart level, if you see what I mean. Yeah, and, and you tend to find, if you've gone through an experience like that with teammates, that you'll go the extra mile for them when you, you're back in the workplace. And that's, uh, that's what the organisation actually wants to get out of it. So how would you define employee engagement so we're all clear? Okay, well, th- there are a lot of definitions out there. It's a, it's a well-researched subject, that, and you know, like any interesting subject, the research continues to develop. So I, I guess from an individual point of view, uh, s- some of the definitions are around uh, individuals having positive attitudes and behaviours that, that actually enables them to deliver a higher, um, uh, higher level of performance, and that, that, that's in tune with the with whatever the organisation's mission may be. Um, as far as an organisational definition is concerned, it's 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 all around having a strategy, having a, a workplace approach that is designed to get the best out of their employees, really, and and that, that they are motivated, they understand where the organisations come from and where it's going to how it intends to get there, and the part they play in it. Um, and, very importantly, at the same time, it, it can enhance their sense of well-being, which is, which is a, a really important facet of employee engagement. Uh, on, on a personal level, I, I just quite like the, the very simple mantra that engaged employees are, are there to give. You know, that they, what you want them to do, what they're there to, to hopefully deliver, is to go above and beyond the call of duty, really. And, and, and that actually makes them as well as the, the company more successful. And I think the individual uh, line is, the, is very important here because when people hear about employee engagement, they think it's all about delivering a result for the company. Well, individuals within companies themselves want to do a good job. They actually want to be part of something bigger. Uh, they don't want to be stressed by uh, a boring, tedious or, or disengaged environment. So for me, it's a two-way street. It's very much sort of... Uh, for the individual and for the company. So I guess I guess if you know people to access that willingness to go above and beyond, then people need to be engaged at a deeper level than sure. just being told what to do. <laughs> yeah, well, yes, very much so. And uh, I, guess, I guess in your travels and in your uh, in your work, you see lots of companies. So what? Um, how much of a problem do you think disengagement is in some of the companies that you've worked with? Well, I think. Uh, I, th- I think it varies, really. I, I think I've worked with some organisations where, uh, and I think I mentioned Mars earlier, where I didn't see sort of very little sign of disengagement. Actually, and I loved working for that company because it was so engaging yeah. um, on the whole. But then, I've, but then I worked for lots of other organisations where I saw lots of disengagement, you know, a lot of organisational change and worry and stress, and, um, and and people who were really not giving of their all. I think it's fascinating. I mean, looking at the the research and the statistics, and Gallup did lots and lots of work around this, and 
uh, and, and apparently America kind of leads the way when it comes to levels of uh, engagement. That's right. Uh, but looking at those statistics, um, you need really up to about 30% of people in organizations internationally apparently are engaged. Um, however, that leaves 70% of people who are either disengaged or actively disengaged. And I think about, John, when I think about that statistic, you know, it is really concerning. And I know there's some countries around the world that actually they would, you know, aspirationally, um, they would be improving significantly to have 70% disengagement. Um, a little analogy that I use for that is I'm a big uh, Leicester City fan of football of the football team, um, which some of you may be familiar with, others may not. <laughs> and I think was well, your Tottenham, is that right? Everton. Everton. Everton sorry, Everton. Please. Sorry. Um, yeah, Everton. And um, you know, if three out of out of those eleven players were playing and they were highly, highly engaged, they were giving of the role, they were doing what you were describing, John, and going you know over and above what they need to. And then you've got six players who are actually disengaged and you know, they're kicking the ball when it comes to them. They're maybe having the odd selfie with people in the crowd. They're just not... <laughs> and then you've got two players that are so actively disengaged that they're trying to kick the ball in their own net. Would you have a high-performing team? Sure. And I think those statistics, for me, really, really get it, make it very, very clear that um, there are some fundamental problems. If you relate that analogy to business, that team wouldn't perform well. So it's understandable why the company wouldn't perform well either. Um, so I think we're probably due to um, go to a commercial break now. Um, and but uh, after the break, do come back. We oh no, we're not. I'm sorry. Oh, five minutes um, more to go. My apologies. Um, John, let's move on to from that. I mean, so disengagement is a major problem. So just a few other stats, by the way, yeah. then, as I've realised we're not running out of time, is that in another research study, 35% of, of people said that they would act, that they'd actually forgo a major pay rise to see their boss fired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, when you finish laughing about it, it's actually quite a serious it stat, is. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that, that it's astonishing, really. That that um, and and that's it's very interesting that you mentioned that because one of the key enablers of engagement is, and it sounds very obvious to say, but it's about engaging management. Because another, what more widely known stat is that people don't leave their organisation; they leave their boss. Yes. And that, that's up to about seventy seventy five percent of people when asked why they've left. They say, well, they, they couldn't work with an individual any longer, or their boss didn't appreciate them, respect them. Um, and that's uh, that's a that's a huge productivity issue for for business. Massive, isn't it? And I suppose the uh, I sometimes say to people that going bearing that in mind, but also thinking about the thirty five percent. You know, wouldn't you want to be somebody who your staff would actually forgo a major pay rise to see you stay? Of course, of course, yeah. And the some some of the other sort of amazing things around uh, employee engagement. Um, the, the, the well-known stat that, uh, or, or quite widely published statistic, that engaged employees can actually, you know, deliver forty-three percent more revenue to the company's bottom line than disengaged. And, and when you're talking to the key decision makers in businesses, like your, your, your vice president of finance, your finance director, whoever it may be, um, that's a very powerful argument to use because uh, who wouldn't want to invest in their people if they saw a bottom line return? Um, of that magnitude to improve where the business is going. I think there's also another interesting thing that you've mentioned there, John, in, in you talk about these sort of finance people and, and the like. There are some 
styles of people actually who are more naturally engaging, aren't they? Sure. And and really get the people aspect. And there are other styles of people within an organisation who don't get it. And I think that's what I've seen sometimes. And I often see this. I probably see less engagement actually in, in for example, the finance industries or or the insurance sector compared to which, which which tends to be quite sort of left brain and detailed and it's about process and about compliance a lot of it and what they often don't get is the the softer skills you know they talk about people as though they're they're resources rather than human beings well <laughs> quite i'm a human being not a human resource yeah exactly so yeah and on that on that point it's interesting that um, if you do have a, a, an effective engagement strategy in in place the people who work for you are much more likely to come forward with great ideas. Recent research says they're 250% more likely to input ideas into your business that's going to help you to improve the way that the, the, the business performs. So again, it's, a, it's just another facet that, that um, gets overlooked when people are just focusing purely on numbers or, as you say, treating people as human uh, resources as, as opposed to human beings. I think, I think it's often I used to hear this being described as soft skills sure but actually it is it has a, a big hard impact on the bottom line very it? hard impact on the bottom line yes and that, that's been proven by some some research done by big respected companies like Gallup and Eon and uh, and Hay Consulting in the UK to, to demonstrate that, that very clear correlation which is one of the things that got me uh, so interested in it in the beginning. And wasn't it, there's been statistics that the top 10 uh, times uh, best companies to work for so have been outperforming uh, the sort of average um, sort of FTSE 100 index by about 10 times that's in right. terms of performance. That, that's and, exactly right, yes. Yeah, so, so, you know, the FTSE 100, the elite of the UK stock market, outperformed by companies who are basically putting people at the heart of their, their business strategy. So we're going to go to commercial break now, and we are going to go to commercial break. Um, but hopefully, from this section, what you've uh, we've got sort of some clarity around is that this is really, really important, and it has a major, major impact on the bottom line of your business. So what I'd like us to do after the break is we're going to come and start to talk to you about some of the key things that you need to address to um, develop your organisation to become a highly engaged, highly performing, and hence highly successful. Business. So we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. 
Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with John Jennings. We're talking about employee engagement. And if you want to find out more about uh, the shows that are coming up and some more reviews on, on thoughts of the shows that have passed, then do go to uh, chriscooper.co.uk. I uh, do um, click on sort of sign up at the top of the website, and we'll just send you an update about once a month, uh, just to let you know of what's uh, what's happening. Um, so we were talking before the break around um, you know kind of the case for employee engagement and why it's so important. But there was some government research, um, which was very fascinating which, and, and helpful, which was commissioned in the UK in, in the last few years. And it was around the issues that constitute engagement and employee engagement, and trying to understand that. And I wonder, John, if you wanted to maybe share top line what that research was and, and what it concluded. Sure. Well, the, yeah, yeah, the research that was sponsored by the government, Chris, that you referred to, was led by a guy called uh, David McLeod. Um, and he was asked by uh, by the government way back in 2008 in the UK to set up a, an, an employee engagement task force, um, and and it, it gathered momentum after he published what's been quite a sort of seminal paper in the UK that gets widely referred to called Engaging for Success, uh, enhancing performance through employee engagement. Uh, and the interesting thing about um, uh, the, the, the report was that. Not only did they sort of look at what was what was not working in terms of engagement across a, a large number of UK companies, but they also looked very clearly at, closely at what was working, um, and that led to uh, a launch um, of the uh, Employee Engagement Task Force, very grandly named by no less than, than Prime Minister David Cameron himself uh, at 10 Downing Street in 2011, when all the great and the good from uh, a wide range of, of uh, British companies were, were called together. Uh, and given information on, on how they could create uh, a more engaged workforce um, to improve productivity level, levels in in the UK, and the I guess some of the stuff that we'll probably go on and talk about the key findings from David McLeod's report were that he identified uh, four things that were going on in companies that had engaged uh, and good en- employee engagement strategies that were, were converting to bottom line results. Um, and, and the four things they had in place were what was rather grandly titled a strategic narrative, which basically to you and I means that people in the company know what the, what the mission of the company is, they know where the company's come from, where it's going to, and, 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 and how it intends to get there. Um, and then probably most importantly, um, engaging managers. Do you have people in your business who manage and lead people in an engaging style? That was seen as absolutely at the core of, of, a, of a good employee engagement strategy. 
Um, employee voice was the third category, and, and by that we mean people being able to. I guess a good way of um, of putting it is is Gallup did some research in this area and created what's called the Q12, which is the 12 questions or statements that that enable you to find out where your people are feeling on a on a scale in terms of employee engagement. And and the the, the statement that's most important in in that area is my opinion really seems to count around here. So that you know people feel that they've got a stake in the business that they can put forward ideas. Um, that they can they can speak up when when they think things need improving and they get listened to, and that's a really important part of employee employee voice. And finally, um, it was all about the the leadership team, the the senior executives within the business, ensuring that there was no gap between what they said needed to happen in the business and what they were perceived by their people to actually do. So if if they stated that these were the values of the business then they had to be seen to be demonstrating those values and living, walking the talk, if you like. Um, so they, they, were, they, they were kind of the four main areas. Obviously, there's a lot of detail be, below those, but they were the four co- common denominators that, that they found in companies that were being successful in this area. Excellent. Excellent. So, <clears throat> so I guess what we should, um, you know, what I'd also like to sort of add to that, really, uh, John and is you know I think what you mentioned there about um, you talked there about the strategic narrative, which is about um, engaged leaders and engaged managers. Uh, you also talked about the you know, the the voice and the kind of integrity. Uh, and I would say that the you know the engagement really is not something that we do to others if we're a leader of an organisation, and, and I think that's a big mistake people make. And, and I would always say that the personal transformation always starts or should start with leaders and the man- and the managers okay and uh, it starts from the start should start from the top because then those people can walk the talk otherwise what happens is what you identified earlier is that they, there is a gap between um, what people say uh, they uh, should be done and the way sure. they're behaving sure so i always recommend that people uh, we take the take a look at uh, individuals who are leading an organization first and uh, a few weeks ago, if you go back into the archive, there was a, a interview with myself actually talking about um, engagement starting with you and some of the key principles and some of the key things that we need to look at. And just to very briefly summarise that, you know, that is around. You know, I find leaders who are really engaging, they really do get the importance of uh, of purpose and uh, and vision and values, and often they've got their own purpose, vision, and values, and they make sure each day they're thinking about the day and how they can be congruent and how they can uh, be, you know, be aligned with what they're saying and what they're doing. Uh, so they're getting themselves engaged, maybe visualizing the day, maybe um, listening to, to positive information and stuff that uh, that helps them. Uh, they're also then um, going in and acting as an engaged leader, and they're they're engaging their teams and their people, sure. and they're helping them to get things done. Um, but I would recommend always that you, you start with this at the top and you start with the leaders and that they prepare to take a really honest, hard, cold look at themselves um, not um, and realize that um, often they may be wrong. Um, their views may not be right. Um, okay. So how would you go about doing that, Chris? Because changing behaviors and habits is one of the most difficult things for a human being to do so with senior leaders how do you go about persuading them that there is a better way i think one of the things that i find particularly helpful is to run a uh, an open a session whereby we do a diagnostic which enables them to 
have a mirror to look at. It's it's impartial. They filled it out. Uh, I would coach people individually on what that uh, diagnostic said. And I have a particular one that um, I use, and I've done, done several hundred of these over the last few years. Uh-huh. And, and what it enables you to do is to have a conversation. It enables you to have a conversation to um, help people, lead us to see where they're naturally in their flow and where they're naturally going to do uh, things are going to work, be easy for them, and those gaps that they might have. And, you know, we talked earlier about sort of financial people. Often they are very detailed, very structured, like to be in control, mm-hmm. like the numbers, they like yep. analysis. But actually where they may not be at their best is with people. Indeed. But you do need to make sure that you've got that people agenda really firmly coming. So I would even look at the entire team, the leadership team, and look at combine their profiles and uh, let them play back what, what we actually see. And then from that, they would then start to understand some of these key distinctions that we would discuss that uh, would help them as a depart- as a team um, shift the um, the people, but with sure. the recognition that they're going to have to change themselves. Because if their business is in a state at the moment, it's probably a mere reflection of their thinking over the last couple of years. And their behaviours, I guess. Yeah, and their behaviours, yeah. 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 Okay. So let's, um, let's chat about... Um, you know, the things that an organization's got to consider to really engage their people. I mean, John, I wonder if you could maybe share some of those different sure. things that we need yeah, to Well, I mentioned from the research uh, earlier that strategic narrative, as it's grandly titled, um, p- plays a very important part. And that, that's really having, for, the, for your organization, a, a really clear purpose so that the, the mission, vision, and values are actually aligned with personal values. And, and where I've seen that work well is where the organization involves its people in developing that uh, vision and, and particularly the behaviors and, and how it expects not only its employees to behave to its clients and its customers, but how it expects them to behave to each other and how managers should treat people. Um, and, and that's a very important enabler. So getting that right and, and having that as so people understand the part they play, the way they need to behave to, to drive through that vision and values. I think, I think that's, a, that's hugely important. And I've seen that done really well. Where I've not seen it done so well is where it's kind of, it feels like it's imposed from the top and the, the values have almost been taken off the shelf and, and they become another wall hanging, basically, yes. that, uh, yeah, oh, yes, this is the way we behave, um, at least when anybody's looking. So that, that's kind of the downside and where I've seen, seen it not work very well, where people simply don't buy in because they've had no input into it. They've had no, uh, um, no, no chance to, to try and shape it themselves. So that's really important. Um, uh, and alongside that, I think the, the bit that we could talk about um, for a, an awfully long time would be the engaging managers um, uh, sort of strategy whereby the people who um, manage and lead and develop people in the business do so in an engaging style. And, and, and the, uh, all the research points to that being probably the single most important facet. Um, you know, we mentioned about people leaving their boss, not, not the job. Well, do you, do you have people in your business who manage large groups of people uh, and they do so in, a, in an engaging fashion? And that's a, that's a science in itself, really. To, to help people understand that the way they behave and the way they treat people will directly affect their productivity, their results, whether they, they jump out of bed on a Monday morning saying, I can't wait to get to work, or whether they're watching the clock at 5 to 5 on a Friday afternoon saying, I can't wait to get out of this place. Uh, it's the manager who makes the difference, and, uh, and that's really important. I think one of the things that people 
often forget is that when they are managing people is that you actually become one of the most significant people in that person's life at that point in time. Absolutely. You know, they may have got a spouse, a partner and, and children. They may have um, you know, parents. Uh, but outside of that, you are right in there, right at the forefront of, uh, of, of helping define how happy and fulfilled somebody is. That's a really important responsibility. I'll, I don't forget somebody that, uh, that worked for me once and she, she actually gave me quite a hard time for a while as uh, a manager until I gave her somebody to, uh, to, um, to manage. Sure. And she then realised how difficult that thing is. But it, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she was very demanding of me. She was demanding of me almost like a parent, actually. And I worked with that and it was fine and we got on very well. But it was only when she, she managed someone else, she realised it's quite difficult. So what I, what I would say is that it's, um, it's something that you need to look at when you're going to manage people for the first time. You need to understand how best to do that. Uh, and I suppose there's also that responsibility as an employee, maybe to understand with your boss just how difficult managing people can be sometimes. Oh, be a bit more understanding. So it's yeah. a two-way thing, I think. I, I think you're absolutely right. And I, and I think um, a really important facet of, uh, of good enabling and uh, engaging management is um, we talked about employee voice earlier. Well, one of the most effective ways that you can you can uh, sort of facilitate your employees being able to speak up and, and put ideas forward is through one-to-ones and in team meetings. And if you don't equip your managers with the skills to draw people into conversations and to feel um, uh, that, that they're in a safe and secure environment where they can put ideas forward, then uh, you know they're going to miss a trick, quite frankly. And uh, um, I've, I've often used with, uh, with with teams who've reported into me and with managers who've reported in, in, into me uh, a very simple technique: stop, start, continue. Where, where when you've got the, the trust of the individual and, and you know each other quite well, you say, "Well, I'd like you to talk to me. I'd like to give me upward feedback, three sixty degree feedback about one thing you'd like me to stop doing, one thing you'd like me to start doing, and one thing you'd like me to continue doing." And sometimes the employee early in the relationship will say, oh, no, everything's absolutely fine, John. There's nothing I want to stop doing. Uh, and then as they get to, to know you, they can come up with some little gems. And you mentioned about holding a mirror up to yourself um, and finding out uh, that you, maybe you've got a behavior that you, you were maybe not really conscious of displaying that is, is impeding the development of the individual or the team. And they give you that feedback. And uh, the only two words you, you should ever say to feedback are thank you. Maybe not the first two words that might always come to mind. Um, thank you. Go away and internalize that, and come back and, and say to the employee, "Well, uh, I hope that I can improve on what I've done." And, and that's a two-way street. So, so, so they ask you for stop, start, continue as well. I think that doesn't come easily and naturally to everybody, and I think that's something that has to be that, that can effectively be trained in. And then, with coaching and development uh, there on in, you can start to develop a much better relationship with your team. Uh, and guess what? You're going to find that your people stick with you longer. Uh, and there's another great um, string to your bow to talk to the finance director about because employ, uh, companies with high employee turnover, it costs them a lot of money. Yeah. You know, you want to find good people and you want to keep them when you've got them and there's a lot of hot competition out there. So having engaging management helps you do that too. I thought it was very interesting listening to, uh, listen to a gentleman a few months ago from who'd been um, responsible for HR at LinkedIn and he was talking about uh, the what they did there was because People typically in Silicon Valley doing the kind of uh, work that uh, they um, were trying to attract people for, which was quite sort of technical systems orientated, on average they would only stay in the post for about nine months. And he was saying that even the graduates 
had their own agents before they'd even had a job. So what they did is they actually decided to, de 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 uh, develop a culture that those individuals would want, as opposed to a culture that was defined by the by the company by the company. Yeah, okay. And I think that's really you know really interesting to try and explore um, what what sort of culture do your people want, and whether that could be a successful culture for you, um, because it will give you a competitive advantage in terms of attractiveness to. Well, it's a good strategy to pursue because I think I think again it enables people to believe they've got a voice and and they can uh, they can shape the way the company looks and feels, which is very important for people. Well, we should chat about uh, the voice uh, again in a minute, but I also think that you know some things that you can look at doing are you know, learning and development is very important for people, and um, you know if you can provide programs that also uh, get to the the heart of somebody and help them understand themselves and become a better person. Then that could really help to uh, you know, engage people uh, with you, and and if you're getting great training and development, and you're you're loving coming into work, why would you want to go anywhere else? Sure. Um, I think you can also look at things like the environment and you know, the office space, and uh, there's a lot of companies now who are being extremely creative with the way they design and develop their office space and their breakout areas and their relaxation areas and their their, their restaurants and. Uh, so I think you can look at that whole environment. One of the things I did once with an organisation I worked with, which had a huge impact, was we were a bit, uh, quite a big uh, function, but we sat in the basement of the office with no windows. So actually what we did is we rebranded, we developed a brand for the department, we branded the walls, we put our, our values on the walls, we put name flags on the desks, and we, we created a sort of social uh, scene, and everybody really came together sure. as, as a great Department, and I think the other thing to mention too is that you know people like to think that they're making a difference to the community. So bigger, definitely, you know, bigger yeah. issues, uh, and people do generally really care about those things today, uh, about the environment, about local charity, and, and I think what we all like to do, most people actually, is feel that we're fulfilling our worthy desires and needs somewhere, and uh, those worthy um, desires could be to help others and to, say, to improve things. And if you can do that through your organisation, then that's going to be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I, th I think that's a big part of it. Uh, I had the good fortune to work in, in Portugal, in Lisbon recently, and the employees there were all buzzing because they'd had the opportunity to go and paint a local hospital. Yeah. And, um, and it, it gave them a real sense of worth and, and, and team spirit, and, uh, and it was a huge payback for the company, as well as getting the company's name out there in the local community and doing, doing, being seen to do some, some real, add some real value. But anyway, we're going to go to commercial break again, but after the break we're going to talk just a little bit about, more about employee voice uh, and also about uh, integrity and, and share with you some examples of companies that have really impressed us. So we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one -one mentoring and coaching 
facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. What if every day was a good day for business? Because every decision you made was the best choice. What if you could receive regular input from credible sources and could acquire all the precise information you need, exactly when you need it, so you can make the right decision every single time? Because There's More challenges you to make better decisions. Join Laura Ellis every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, and 2 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Business Channel and learn how to think differently for better decisions, better business. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, it's Chris Cooper with John Jennings. And John, we, we talked a little bit earlier about giving employees a voice. Any more thoughts besides you mentioned there a survey? Yeah, I think uh, I think surveys are important because um, uh, it, it enables the company to sort of take the pulse of the organisation, see what what people are really thinking. Uh, I, th- I think a trap that companies can fall into though is to is is when little is seen to change as a result of the survey, and you will hear that you know around the coffee uh, around the coffee machine or around the water fountain, people saying, "Well, you know, I'm I'm not going to fill any more surveys, and I'm not going to give this feedback because nothing ever seems to happen as a result." So people, you know, sometimes the, the ideas aren't acknowledged, or the comments aren't aren't taken on board, and they and, and they kind of give up. So I think having a survey, having that mechanism there, is is great uh, as long as people are. Uh, able to see that things happen and change as a result. Um, there's lots of facets to employee voice. There's the, as we've already mentioned, the team meetings and the ability to to, to feedback one to one. I'm a big fan of skip level meetings where maybe one of the senior vice presidents or directors goes into the business, spends a day on the shop floor chatting with people, uh, and it's all done in a, in a spirit where people can speak up. Not too many rules put around it. The only rule is that if you've got something that you want to complain about, then that's fine, but you need to bring t- uh, a solution to the table as well, an idea about how you would make things better. And, and that visibility, if, if the, the, the people on the, on, the, uh, on the shop floor, right at the, at the cutting edge of the business, see um, uh, that the leadership team are very visible, that they're in listening mode, that they, they go away and things change again as a result, then... That's, that's a very, very effective part of employee voice. And I think regular dialogue, regular feedback, uh, and having an organization where feedback is encouraged, um, that, that's so important to employee voice. People really believe that they've got a stake 
in what goes on around here. Not that every single idea is taken on board, but the people are always thanked for that idea. One of the worst things you can hear is, let me tell you why that won't work. Well, you know, all that sort of behaviour does is, is, is uh, start to sort of suppress people's uh, ingenuity and innovation. So uh, I think that open dialogue is, is, is probably the most important part of employee voice. One of my favourite examples was uh, a number of shows ago, we had David Long on the show, and David has an organisation in the United States. But what he's done for a number of years with his people is he has hosted uh, book clubs where they study really inspiring um, books and helpful content as a as a company, and I think his club has grown now, so he has several of these groups. Mm-hmm. And he said that dialogue, you know, he says uh, that they have, they've you know fixed relationships, they've fixed people with uh, found out about people who've got financial issues, they've uh-huh. got to know each other. He reckons that has generated millions of dollars those meetings uh, just from um, studying something and then having open open hearted conversations about them. Um, so that I thought was a really great idea. But what about um, high in- integrity? Because that was one of the things that the McLeod reports engaged for success also said. Yeah, I think I think yeah, this this is a big one really. Uh, how do you create an organisation with high integrity? I think it all starts. Uh, you had the theme uh, before the break about it all comes from the top. Well, um, the leadership team need to absolutely walk the talk and, and are, are seen to. Be the, the first people that, um, uh, that, that demonstrate the behaviours. If, if I can give you an example of that, I worked at uh, at uh, Egg in its early days when it formed in uh, in, in in Derby here in the UK, and um, it was the first company in uh, in Europe to launch an online credit card. And um, the the guy who founded it uh, was a guy called uh, Mike Harris from First Direct. And uh, one, one of his mantras was about just answering the phone to people and making sure that, you know, customers got, uh, even if you couldn't answer the question, you, you pick the phone up and, and, and said to them, well, we'll find somebody who can. And so meetings at Egg would, would you know, if, if a phone rang, a senior manager would be seen to stop the meeting and pick the phone up um, because it was a big open, open office environment. And that might sound like a very small thing, but it demonstrated to everybody coming in, to new people coming into the business, that on the end of that phone there could well be a customer uh, and that, that you know everything stopped so that you could uh, provide that level of service so that they were seen to, to lead by example. And I think in creating an organisation with high integrity, that's where it starts. And, and if, if, you've, if you've held the mirror up to yourself as a senior leader and you've seen some, some things that you don't like um, and, and that you want to change, that, that people are actually seen, they actually see you trying to change because because sometimes it's quite difficult, but if you you know show yourself to be a human being that you have failings like anybody else, that you're infallible and you can make mistakes, but that you learn from them, um, and and that uh, you create an organisation that doesn't have a blame culture. I've worked in some organisations where when things go wrong, the first thing the leadership team asks is whose fault is that, as opposed to oh okay that's gone wrong. What have we learned from that? How are we going to make sure that that doesn't happen again? And, and there's a world of difference between those two between those two cultures. So. Yeah, couldn't couldn't agree more. Are there, are there any particular companies that have impressed you on your travels where you've seen, um, you know, these these things actually being played out? Well, I think there's a there's a few companies. I mean, I obviously mentioned at Mars, who sure. really opened my eyes to some of this uh, many years ago. I think I worked with them from about ninety two to ninety nine, so it's quite a quite a few years ago now. But you know, they at, at the heart of their business very much was their values and they would talk about it was equality, responsibility, mutuality, efficiency and freedom. Mm-hmm. So I really I really do remember those values that were kind of at the heart of everything. 
And we, we really, once you join that company, you, firstly, you feel very proud to become part of it because it's very difficult to get in. I know, I think your, your wife, actually. Um, sure, yeah, yeah, she, she worked for Mars. For Mars yeah, as well. She, uh, she would endorse exactly what you're saying. Yeah, um, you know, they, they talk to you about the history, the culture, the, story, the stories, and you really get absorbed into those. And they have uh, offices with colourful environments and you know, characters within their, their brands like the the sort of M&Ms, they invest a lot in training, they invest in, uh, in development for you, uh, they give you opportunities to work across, you know, horizontally across the business in lots of different departments. Um, the thing I also found was that I, I could learn something from everybody, you know, the quality of um, people they were sure. treated was very high. And I, I found it a very engaging organisation at, um, at most levels. I think once I've also come across that I've been quite... Um, sort of intrigued by was I saw somebody at an event talking about Zappos and they seemed a really interesting organization and they had some really kind of different values they talked about you know d- delivering wow through service and create fun and a little weirdness be adventurous creative and open-minded um, be passionate and determined be humble embrace and drive change their actual core values are really very engaging in themselves and so then I I googled them and I looked at some of the images of some of, some of their offices and people were really able to express themselves um, in around their desks and with uh, with different um, uh, sort of nice name signs and even little you know, pianos at the end of aisles and whatever really inspired people. And they had some really interesting little sort of packages around, um, you know, they pay a month's salary after a four-week trial period if, if anybody wants to quit. Um, they um, hire and fire based on... on those core values, uh, they um, were also doing things like giving away, I think individuals could nominate someone each month to give a $50 in vouchers for being um, somebody who'd really inspired them that month within the company. Um, so they were very clever. And then I think the other one that I think does impress me from what I've seen, we had uh, Sue Stevenson a few weeks ago from Ritz Carlton, uh, the Vice President for Community Footprints. And mm-hmm. they seem a fascinating organization, a bit like Southwest Airlines, in the fact that they, um, they they really do think very carefully about the customer, but they also want to make sure that their staff are happy, and they recognise that if you've got happy staff, you've got um, you're going to have um, happy customers, and uh, you're going to generate um, you know great benefits in return. So nine ten, I believe it is every morning. They have little huddles across the organisation, sure, yeah. you know, in, in different time zones, obviously. Um, and uh, they are thinking within those meetings, or reminding themselves of the purpose, the reason why they're there. They're not telling each other; they're just reminding themselves, and they're looking at how how could that day could they fulfil the expectations of a customer that the customer might not even know they have when they walk into the, one of their hotels. So I love that sort of stuff. There are mm-hmm. so many things that we can do creatively to to really, really engage. Yeah, um, interesting you mentioned Southwest Airlines as well. Because, I mean, they are a great example, which I'm sure listeners in the US will be familiar with. Herb Callagher and his his philosophy of um, engaging his employees by empowering them. Yes. I mean, they they consistently top the customer service charts for airlines in a very cutthroat uh, and competitive industry in the United States. Uh, and um, one one of uh, of his philosophies was that he wanted his employees to ask forgiveness, not permission. So it was fine to make a mistake as long as you had a, a logical reason for why you'd done something and it was for the benefit of the customer. Uh, and sure, some things didn't always work out, but um, that's fine as long as you learn from it and move on. And I think that's a, that was a very empowering culture that he, he developed there and, and a model that a lot of people have tried to copy. Yeah, brilliant. 
Excellent. So we cover a lot, a lot of ground in this um, this session today. Um, but I think probably should just start to, you know, just want to sort of share with you maybe you know what one area that you could come for help because uh, uh, John and I we are really committed to um, helping a lot of people when it comes to engagement. You know, it feels like a very worthy thing to do on many, many levels. And so we've got together and we've been running, um, helping organizations with things like strategy around engagement, but also helping them with um, with masterclasses and, and uh, talks around self-engagement as well as engaging employees and the route map. Um, we're developing an on- online program right now, an online program to help uh, with employee engagement. And I think engagement today with all of the issues that are going on in the world, there is just so much opportunity to um, to bring people together and unite them. We've got enough um, issues where people are not united and are uh, you know battling against each other. You know the, the the most important thing I think we can do is that if we can unite our organisation, uh, we're all going to be you know happier and more fulfilled in our work. So we we help people do that. So if we can help you, then um, do let us know. Um, I wonder, John, have you got have you got any thoughts around um, so I should just sort of say also we've been doing this. We've, our work has been developed um, at at um, a university. Uh, so we first started working. We've, we've um, worked with international um, people from all over the world: Colombia, China, Indonesia, Denmark, Italy, Bulgaria, uh, Indonesia, and we uh, Greece and other organ- other countries. And we realised that these problems that people have are generic. They're international. They're international. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so. You know, this is uh, something we'll be spending up the, probably the rest of our years helping people with. So if we can help you, just get in touch. That would be brilliant. But, John, I wonder, have you got any final messages that you'd like to leave us with? Because we've just got about a minute left. Yeah, well, I, I would say that, really, this concept, once you really understand it, of employing is, is not difficult. I think people are sometimes daunted by it. But, but it's once you've got your strategy in place, this can be absolutely transformational for your business. You have to be, be wary of not being a transactional uh, engager where where you, you try and tick the boxes without really getting under the skin of the organization changing behaviors and changing the way you do things but once you've got hold of the concept and you really understand it then this is proven but and the numbers show it to transform businesses to make things better for the individual within the business to make them feel empowered uh, and, and to give them a, a much better kick out of their working day we all spend a lot of time at work so let's make it productive and enjoyable and, and fun and it, uh, and it and it can add to the bottom line as well to keep your finance directors happy. So there's no reason there's no reason why people can't do this. Thanks, thanks, uh, John. I think for me, I think you one of the most important things to remember is that if you really want to engage people. You've got to engage them not just with their heads. You've got to engage them with their hearts. And uh, sure. you know, if, if you go further further level than that, it might even be that uh, we need to hook them in almost spiritually as well. Uh, and if people are so hooked into your organization, they're so enjoying what they're doing, then sometimes it becomes, you know, things like money become, which are often important, don't become the priority, it becomes actually the well-being. And I remember a graduate once saying to me, you know, Chris, what what company could I I join that will make me a better human being? If you can make your organization, you know, help, help people to become better human beings and you're in this together and uh, you people can't wait to get in the office, imagine that, then uh, your productivity is going to go through the roof. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> so once again, um, wish, wish you well. Thank you very much for listening to the show today. If you want to find out more um, about, uh, have any questions about this, um, go to www.chriscooper.co.uk, um, but also give me a, get in touch with me at chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Feel free to connect with me on social media as well. Um, and uh, also through that, you can contact John uh, Jennings through myself if you wanted to speak uh, to John. Sure. Uh, unless you've got anything, other routes, John, to connect with you. Yeah, through social media again, Chris. Be delighted to uh, to explore the the uh, opportunities with anybody you'd like to talk. Excellent. And on next next for next week's show, it is actually Thanksgiving in the United States of America. So um, the station is all on holiday. Um, but so I want to wish you uh, if you're out there and you and you. Um, you celebrate Thanksgiving. Have happy a wonderful, Thanksgiving. Oh, happy yeah. Thanksgiving. Have a wonderful time. And what we're going to do is we're going to air a show that um, I recently had some tremendous feedback um, by email from someone saying they're listening to it over and over again. It's called Connection and Influence: Lessons from Politics, Hostage Negotiation, and Speaking. It's with Simon Bucknell and Richard Mullinder. So we'll repeat that show again uh, next week, and then and the following week um, there is I'm, it's a lady called um, Suzanne. Uh, Doyle Morris, and we're going to be talking about uh, about particular uh, kind of women in, in the workplace and diversity, uh, and how to be a uh, sort of great um, um, leader and uh, in, in a very in very diverse environment. And um, so we'll be back with you again just in a couple of weeks. But in the meantime, again, uh, once again, thanks to John, and a very happy Thanksgiving to all those who celebrate it. We thank you for listening to the Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.